Thanks for listening to another week of the Ask Pastor John podcast. We get a lot of really good questions via email, and you can send those to us at askpastorjohn at desiringgod.org. As you can imagine, Pastor John, we have a lot of questions in the inbox about Target's new transgender bathroom policy. Uh, Shoppers are now encouraged to use whichever gender bathrooms they identify with. The Target corporate headquarters is just a, a short walk away from your house, so this is pretty close to home. On the principle of boycotts, um, I think we, we've addressed this back in episode 430 on corporate policies when we talked about Apple, Subaru, and Target back then. What are the logistics, though, of, of Target's decision for Christians? If, if you're shopping at Target, you go to the bathroom, and a woman identifying as a man walks in. Uh, are there any biblical principles at play here? Uh, would you use a gender open restroom to begin with, even if, even if it says men on the door? Uh, how do you untangle this question? Tony, the way my mind went on this may not be exactly uh, where the question is going, although I'm going to end precisely answering the question of what what I would do. But let me take you on the trajectory of my thought and uh, trust that the Lord brought it to my mind for good reasons. Strange as it may sound, the first thing that comes to my mind as I hear the question is how parents are going to train their children in a culture where profound evil and deep corruption and God-ignoring perversion is pervasive and accepted and defended and assumed and destigmatized and statistically normal. That's just so front-burner for me right now in conversations that I'm having. For those of us who grew up where Different standards were assumed and where some, at least external biblical patterns of life were normative, there is a built-in revulsion at some things that ought to produce revulsion. But our children are not growing up in that world, and they will not have the same instincts So how, that's my question, how are we going to raise them and train them so that they will feel um, the exceeding sinfulness of sin and be willing to take stands that are extremely unpopular, maybe even costly or dangerous? And I think part of the answer to that question is whether we have a big enough doctrine of human depravity. Are we able to take our children to the scriptures and explain to them in terms that are shocking enough where the evils of our society are coming from? The children are going to be told by the Supreme Court and by their teachers and by their friends that the world is a different way, that the words of the Supreme Court, Justice Anthony Kennedy are true. Here's this sentence that I'm going to read right now, I think is probably the most destructive sentence, whether it's transgender or so-called gay marriage or abortion. This sentence from 1992, Justice Anthony Kennedy is probably the most destructive sentence that the court has ever spoken. That'd be my guess. I've not read them all, but he said, At the heart of liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence, of meaning, of the universe, and of the mystery of human life. Now, that view of human autonomy 
defining one's own existence is so widespread that unless we have a deeper, stronger, more compelling view of human nature that explains where such sentences come from, our children will simply be swept away and along with the culture. So that's the first thing that comes to my mind. I, th I think just my first reaction when I hear another instance of the kind of application of Justice Kennedy's sentence is that the the depths of the human heart's depravity must be built in profoundly to our, our children. The second thing that comes to my mind is just to make sure that we have um, our terminology right in these days. So Target has now uh, put in place a policy, and it goes like this. It, it aims to give freedom to, quote, transgender team members and guests to use the restroom or fitting room facility that corresponds with their gender identity. Now, there's the new term, gender identity, and it's just so important that all of our listeners get this. That's a new code word. The word gender is now used not for biological reality of maleness or femaleness, but for desired identity of so-called male or so-called female, even if the biological reality is the opposite of the desired identity. So gender identity can mean a male declaring himself to be female and a female declaring herself to be male. That is what gender identity means. And it's the most recent application and perhaps the strangest of Justice Kennedy's principle, liberty is the right to define one's own concept of existence. So there's, there, <laughs> we're going to talk about polygamy one of these days. And, and, and my wife was saying last night, well, that, that probably isn't coming. I said, there's not a leg to stand on. Once you have, not, once you have put this sentence in place, Polygamy will come, and I mean, the, the worst has already come. I mean, polygamy is a piece <laughs> yeah. of cake. That's coming, except that it's probably legally so complicated to, for inheritances and life insurance policies and everything else that maybe there'll be some breaks on it for a while anyway. So this principle, uh, for it to hold, liberty is the right to define one's own existence, God must be excluded from the from the picture, because what it means to be God is that God defines for us the nature of our existence. And so the recent developments to, to presume we can define marriage any way we please and our sexual identity any way we please are manifestations of the human usurpation of divine prerogatives. This is not new, not a new thing. It's been going on for a long time. The correlation between biological maleness and femaleness and self-identification as male and female is rooted in numerous ways in the Bible. It's rooted in God's creation as male and female. It's rooted in distinct roles assigned to male and female in marriage. It's rooted in the biblical prohibition of homosexual acts. So in answer to the last part of the question, would you, John Piper, use a gender open restroom even if it says men on the door, my answer is, if I were there, and if I had to, 
I would, just like I would stop on the highway if I had to, but I wouldn't if I didn't have to. And the reason I wouldn't is is because I want there to be a small act of protest and life consistency that may have no impact at all on the powers that make such decisions, but that keep my conscience clear and acknowledge God in practical affairs and give a consistency to my life that does, I think, help overall um, in showing the way of Christ to the world. And I would perhaps maybe say just one other thing. I think we should spend most of our creative energies on constructing in our minds and in our hearts and in our families, great and beautiful and glorious alternative visions of reality than the ones we're being offered by the world. If we give most of our time to bemoaning and criticizing the world for acting like the world, our vision of God and his glorious future for his people will become smaller and smaller, and that could be a greater tragedy than the one we're living in. Wow. Yes, that is a, a critical point to end on. No doubt there are follow-up questions from listeners on this. You can send those in to us. And of course, you can search our archive of hundreds of episodes, download our podcast app, subscribe to the podcast, or even send us a question of your own. Go to desiringgod.org forward slash ask Pastor John. Tomorrow, we talk about polygamy, as Pastor John alluded to, and a listener in Africa wants to know, can I have two wives? It's an important question we cannot and should not ignore, and that is tomorrow. I'm your host, Tony Ranke. Thanks for listening to the Ask Pastor John podcast with John Piper.